that we remember all those who have departed um, this world. Um, and in the prayers today, we'll remember the three uh, people that we buried from this congregation over the last year. But it's also a day to celebrate what it means to be the church, to live life, to experience life in a whole different way. Sometimes we are so um, formed by the world that we live in. Sometimes the culture has such a dominant force over us. I remember as a small child being taught, big boys don't cry. So whenever I got hurt, whenever I felt hurt, I had this internal pressure that I needed to not cry because if I did, I wouldn't be a big boy. And when you're five years old, there's nothing more in the world that you want than to be a big boy. Well, unfortunately, when we teach that to our children, one of the things that we teach them is to not express their feelings. And that can be damaging over time. It can even lead us to the point of not asking for help, especially when we need help. Many of us maybe grew up with confusing thoughts and ideas that had been planted within us. Maybe you too are confused when you think about death and dying. What if we ask God for help? What if we ask God for help and God doesn't answer? How do we, real, how do we deal with that? Sometimes people... Yes, even Christians have felt like God has abandoned them. Mary and Martha both voice this. When they say to Jesus these words, Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. What they're saying is, Jesus, you were tardy. If you could only have been here four days earlier, five days earlier, if you would have been here, you would have been able to heal him and he wouldn't have died. That question and the confusion of feelings and thoughts about death is real for every one of us. Occasionally, it's easier just to deny the reality of death so that we don't have to wrestle with the issues. But then death comes along and it smacks us right in the face. And there's nothing else we can do but have to deal with it. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he remained outside of the village. Outside of Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. And so Martha goes outside of the village to meet him. It's like she is so anxious, so happy to finally see Jesus that she runs out and greets him before he can even enter into the village. 
Mary, meanwhile, remains in the home, weeping with the wailers, her fellow Jews who have gathered to support her by wailing along with her. When she finally came to see him, Mary, Jesus, when she finally came to see Jesus, it says that she fell at his feet and she began to cry. Lord, if you'd only been here. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, he'd already been through this with Martha, but for some reason Mary touched a spot in his grief. When he saw Mary weeping and the people around her wailing, he uses this word, in obrim masato, in obrim masato, means that he was deeply troubled and even deeply angered. His spirit was in turmoil over the grief that this family was bearing. And so he felt this deep agony within him. Sometimes scholars have, pastors, theologians, have tried to kind of gloss over this and said, well, he was just upset. But what it really means is that he was deeply angered. Yeah, Jesus felt anger. What would he be of, what would he have been angry about in this situation? Well, one idea is that he was grieving for his friend, Lazarus. And because of that, he was angry at the power of death, the power of darkness, the power of evil that can wreak havoc upon our lives. Because there is no more final statement of the evil one than death, right? Perhaps he was strengthening his own resolve because he knew what he was doing. He was already asking God, his father, to raise Lazarus from the dead. If you read through this story, he never prays to God in this portion of the story about having Lazarus raised from the dead. He has already been praying that. Perhaps his whole journey from Galilee, maybe even while they were still waiting in Galilee, he already knew that his friend Lazarus had died, and so he was praying to God, please raise Lazarus. And so maybe he was, maybe he was angry about his own resolve because this act in John's gospel, the raising of Lazarus, this is what gets Jesus killed. Jesus is sought after and arrested because of this act. Maybe he's angry because he's got to put it together. Not just for Lazarus, but for all of us. Nonetheless, he is greatly disturbed and angry about Lazarus' death and death in general. And to emphasize that fact, 
Then it says that Jesus wept. You see, Jesus had emotions, just like you and me. Jesus grieved over his dear friend's death, just like you and I would. Jesus grieves over every death. Every death that you have encountered, Jesus has been there, and he grieves with you. That is why his earlier comment to Martha is so incredible. This is part of what gets him into trouble. When he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the great I am. Jesus is identifying himself not only as a great prophet, he is identifying himself as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and so he uses the same name as God. I am in Hebrew, Yahweh. Not only did some of the religious leaders not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, some of them didn't even believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees and the Essenes, now they believed in the resurrection of the dead. If you submitted to the Torah and followed the Torah for your life, then you would be raised from the dead. But the Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection. And even though some of those around Jesus doubted his ability to do anything for Lazarus, Jesus was not deterred. He was still going to do what God was already doing. He was going to manifest the resurrection of his dead friend, Lazarus. Today, many Christians don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. A recent poll done by the BBC um, discovered that at least in the UK, 25% of the Christian population did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And unfortunately, there are even some clergy, some pastors, who have espoused no resurrection. I remember visiting with a, a pastor probably eight or ten years ago, and I guess it wouldn't have affected me so much other than he seemed to have so much glee into telling me about this new Bible study he was preparing for his congregation where he was going to teach them that there was no resurrection of the dead. And my first comment, just sometimes I say things and I don't know where they come from. Um, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. <laughs> um, but anyhow, sometimes I just say things and I just said to him, I said, have you looked at the Apostles' Creed lately? Isn't that who we are as the church? Don't we believe, don't we confess? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, <laughs> the life everlasting. 
And I knew he was a good churchman, so I knew he knew the Apostles' Creed. And so when we take a look at this story, we know that we preach it in a challenging time. So I want to be clear. When Jesus talks about the resurrection, he is talking about living again after we have died. Physically living again after we have died. That's why he told Martha, your brother will rise again. But Jesus says that the believer will not only die, but will be brought back to life. In verse 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That is the promise that we have from God. But it doesn't end there. The raising of Lazarus is a sign that Jesus performs. It's a miracle that demonstrates the truth of God's promise. In verses 27 to 25, Yes, Lord, she told him, I have, um, I'm sorry, chapter 10. Uh, Let's go back because this is right before this resurrection um, story is the story of the good shepherd. Do you remember Jesus says, I am the good shepherd? Um, So in chapter 10, verses 27 uh, through 29, this is what he says. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. There are so many other scriptural references to this promise. Just as Lazarus heard Jesus' voice, what Jesus is saying to us is that all of his sheep who hear his voice will be raised again from the dead. All of the sheep who hear his voice will be raised from the dead. Jesus then says, I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. So not only is Jesus the resurrection, but what we hear now is that Jesus is also the life. I mean, the good life, right? Don't we all want the good life? And it may not come from our favorite beer. But, I mean, that's good too. But what Jesus promises is even greater. The good life. That he is the giver of the good life. Jesus not only speaks of death and resurrection as a physical thing, Physically you die, and physically you'll be raised again. But he also speaks about it spiritually and relationally. What he is telling us is true life is lived in relationship with God through the Son, through Jesus. Now some of you are introverts, and you may not like relationships. 
but I bet you still have some relationships. I bet there are some people that you still relate to, a spouse, a friend, children, grandchildren. I mean, no matter how introverted we are, we still need relationships. And what Jesus is saying is that that is the gift that we have through faith, is that we have this relationship with Jesus, a relationship that will never end. People enter this right relationship with God through faith. And that faith brings you eternal life because it brings you into relationship with the eternal God. Beyond the grave is an extension of the relationship that one has with God through faith. So the promise from God is that because you have a relationship with Jesus, you have true life. And here's the good news. Even death cannot destroy that relationship. That relationship will continue with Jesus even after death. The good news here too is this. Is after death, that relationship becomes different because now you will see Jesus face to face. Now you will be with God. Martha had a relationship with Jesus even before Lazarus was raised from the dead. I find this interesting because Lazarus had not yet been raised from the dead and she has this profound confession. It's the only other confession you see it in, in, in John's gospel other than Peter's great confession of Jesus as the Messiah. In verse um, 27 of our uh, 11th chapter today, uh, you, hear, um, you hear this great confession. Let me see if I can find it here. Yes, Lord, Martha told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah. She has always believed that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. I have always believed this. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah. Martha was remarkable. She had this belief even before she saw her brother raised from the dead. Some people began to have this belief, this faith, after they saw Lazarus raised from the dead. Many of the Jews who had gathered to support Mary and Martha during this time, some of them believed Jesus and established a relationship with him after Lazarus' resurrection. Verse 45, we hear about that. While others, others refused to have faith in God through Jesus. Others refused to be in relationship with Jesus. Why? Well, we're told in verses 46 through 50 why. But some of those who had gathered with them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do, they asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. 
If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. And then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas, who was high priest at the time, said, You don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. They didn't want to place their faith in a relationship with Jesus because they already had their faith in a relationship with some of the religious elders. It's hard to switch allegiances. Jesus calls us all into relationship with him so that we might have life here, today, and forever. And as the church, we are called to share the story of Jesus with others. So how do we do that? Well, one of the more common ways that we've done that is we invite people to worship with us. We welcome guests to our worship. We welcome guests to our Bible studies, to our service projects. But how else can we be the church? This past Monday, um, the board ministry met, and for part of the meeting, we met with uh, one of the associates for the bishop and uh, Reverend Jackie Pagel. And, you know, one of the things that the Synod is helping us to figure out is how we can hire, call somebody to work with our student ministries. And uh, we've been looking, and there just aren't many applicants. And um, so, you know, we go to the people who can help us with resourcing. And um, one of the things that Reverend Jackie had recommended was for us to read this book um, called Growing Out. And um, she said, you know, it's a good book that can kind of help us to see not only how we can grow in by inviting people in, but how we can grow out by going out to the people. And that's been kind of a theme for me, as many of you know, over the last several years. And so she said, you know, um, one of the examples she gave was a church that started a hymns and brews uh, gathering at some pub. And uh, so it wasn't just people from the church, but they were connecting with people at the brew pub. And um, there's actually a couple of churches that have been established like that up in the Seattle area, for, for instance. And so when we talk about these opportunities, what we're talking about is really ideas of missional communities, of how can we uh, meet people outside of the church, being the church outside of the church. Mission support, like like you have provided for Dynamis, is meeting people outside of the church. I mean, some of the stories that Boris has of these poor little girls that come to them is just earth-shattering. And to be able to see the, the girl that burned the house down, she is back at the house because they have loved her. They have forgiven her. They, she has never felt and experienced love and forgiveness like this ever before. She is welcomed. She is a part of the community. And many of these girls are growing in faith because they see what Jesus has done in the lives of others. 
then they want that same peace, that same hope. So it's dynamis, it's hymns and brews, it's ministries to single moms, it's parents, uh, it's people groups like reaching out to groups from Burundi or Eritrea, it's families with young children. That's what it means to grow out to be the church and to be with people whom God has called us to surround. That is how the shepherd can still call out because then people will begin to hear the shepherd's voice. People that might not have come into the worship service, but people who will come to our gatherings. And as they hear the shepherd's voice, they will follow because the shepherd is still calling for his sheep. And the shepherd is still seeking our help as the church in caring for the flock as he brings them back together. For those who hear the great shepherd have faith. For those who hear the great shepherd, eternal life begins now. For those who hear the great shepherd, that promise never ends. Friends, that is our mission, to build relationships with others so that they can build relationships not just with us, but with Jesus. That's what it means for us to be the church. Will you join me as I close in prayer? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the promise that you have given us, the promise of the resurrection. And as we reflect upon that gift, help us to be instruments of change as we reach out to friends, to family, to strangers, to bring your word, to bring your voice to them that your sheep might hear and follow. Help us to be your church, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.